All right, good morning. Um, my name is Chris. I, I, I'm on the leadership board here at Gate City Vineyard, and it, it, it's great to be here with you this morning. Um, so if, if you, some of you might not know, um, our pastor and, and her husband um, are on a plane uh, headed for the Holy Land. Um, so we are um, super, super excited about what God is going to do in them and show them and uh, just shape them through that experience. So be in prayer for them. Um, they cannot wait to come back and, and share with you all uh, about the trip. Um, and so she asked me to speak on, on giving. For, for one of the weeks that she was going to be gone. And I'm not going to lie to you, I, th I thought it would be pretty smooth sailing. You know, I figured, I figured I'd talk about the, the grocery giveaway program that I help lead here at the church, because you never, ever hear me talk about that. So I figured I, figured I could talk about that, um, and I could talk about the joy that comes from participating in a program where you get to partake in giving. So mentally, I you know, checked that off the box and said, I'm, I'm going to be all set. So fast forward a bit, and I'm starting to prepare, and Beth kindly provided a few scripture passages that, um, that she thought might be helpful for me to take a look at. So, so I took a look at the first one. I will keep you in suspense regarding its identity for a moment, but as I studied the text, I quickly felt a strong sense of God leading me to think about, that slide, the dishwasher of all things. Of all things, I thought, really, God? The, the dishwasher? You know, I was pumped to, to dive into the grocery giveaway and, and talk about meat and produce and pantry items and prayer. But God, you, you want me to talk about the, the dishwasher? Um, uh, well, let me tell you why. Um, uh, mornings in the Larson household can be pretty tough. The school bus comes promptly for our kids at 6.39 a.m., which means that the kids need to be ready, teeth, teeth brushed, and not smelling horrible. Um, they need to have eaten breakfast and have clean and full water bottles, and they need to have picked a snack to eat during school. And typically, it's all hands on deck just to, to get them out the door so that we can avoid that dreadful feeling of seeing the school bus drive away without our kids. But one morning recently, I, I, I was killing it. Um, uh, I, you know, fairly often I make a smoothie for, for me and the kids to share. So, so I took the, the Ninja cup out of the dishwasher, I put the fruit and the yogurt and the juice in, and I blended it. You know, the vast majority of days, um, when I take the Ninja cup out of the dishwasher, I don't empty out the rest of the dishwasher, um, even if I have to take, you know, even if I have to take something out. And almost inevitably, my lovely wife Beth ends up emptying it later on. But I was running early this morning, so I decided to go ahead and empty the dishwasher. Beth was upstairs um, helping my daughter Zoe get ready for the day, and so after a bit, I'm almost done with the dishwasher. I'm finishing up with the silverware, and Beth and the kids are still upstairs. And in that moment, I find myself instantly switching into super slow motion, putting one fork away and then taking a large pause. Why? 
so I could be sure that Beth would notice me performing this most noble act of emptying the dishwasher. Ironically, something that she does nearly every day, and I very rarely acknowledge. But in this instance, since I happen to be the one doing it, I felt a deep desire to be noticed, to be thanked, deep enough that I was willing to forfeit some of our valuable time in our morning routine so there could be no escaping the fact that, in fact, I was the one that emptied the dishwasher that morning. Not necessarily my proudest moment. So now I'll do the bid reveal with you and share the scripture that led to this reflection. As an aside, I think that the Holy Spirit just has this remarkable way of bringing conviction to me whenever I'm going to teach or speak on anything. I, I'm usually thankful after the fact, but it, I'll tell you, it doesn't make things easier in the process. But in any case, here's the scripture, which is an excerpt from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6. Let's start with verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Well, that one verse stopped me in my tracks right then and there. Talk about a tough look in the mirror. Now, just in case you're wondering, I don't necessarily consider emptying the dishwasher to be an act of righteousness, but if I'm doing something that small in order to be noticed by others, you can be certain that when I do something that more obviously looks like a good deed, I struggle with wanting others to notice it. Um, you know, Jesus goes on to speak about giving, which is our topic today, and which is one application of this. But, but this morning, I want us to realize and remember this overarching principle of, of not doing our acts of righteousness in order to be seen by others. So let's keep reading. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I think that there are several key points to notice here in the passage. Um, so firstly, next slide, giving should be a natural and regular component in the life of a Jesus follower. Now, Jesus takes it for granted that his followers will give to those that are in need. He, he doesn't say, if you give or, or should you choose to give. He says, when you give, indicating that giving, giving isn't something that only a few of us should participate in. Giving should be a part of every Christian's life. Secondly, we get into how we should or shouldn't give, which is inevitably tied to why we give. So next we see that we shouldn't give to be honored by others. So announcing it with trumpets is a bit of a hyperbole that Jesus uses. He's talking about any occasion where someone is intentionally making a generous deed or action into a public display in order to be seen by other people. You know, while I didn't have any trumpets or kazoos to announce that I had emptied the dishwasher, but that's, that's still what I was doing. 
I was taking an action to make sure that I was going to get credit from others. So we keep reading, and we see this curious phrase, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And this one, I think, is even more subtle, and I would say even more convicting, as this talks about how our giving or other good deeds should impact our relationship with ourselves. Your left hand and your right hand. What Jesus is saying here is that we shouldn't give in order to feel better about ourselves. That's the next point. I don't know about you, but that one is really tough for me. It's very easy for me to either consciously or subconsciously do something kind for someone else in order to feel better about myself and to give myself a symbolic pat on the back. Jesus' point here is that if we give in order to get credit from others or if we give to feel better about ourselves, really that, that's where it stops. He says we've received our reward in full. We've effectively gotten what we were looking for already. We, we've, we, the check has been cashed, and, and we've left God out of the equation. So the contrast is, instead of giving to be recognized by others or in order to justify ourselves, we can give in order to bring glory to God, Amen. who sees what we do even if nobody else does, right? Yeah. And in the process, it's this amazing thing where doing so allows God to form us to be more like Jesus. After all, Jesus' mission, his self-proclaimed mission here on earth was to bring glory to God. We see him say in John 17, 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus' mission was to bring glory to God. So when we bring glory to God through our gifts, through our giving, we are in turn becoming more and more like Jesus. We're going to explore giving more fully today, um, but if I could leave us with one question, one question that I want to be on all of our hearts and our minds as we leave here today, it would be this, if we go to the next slide. Whose glory are we seeking? Right? Whose glory are we seeking? I think this is a powerful lens that we can use each hour, each day, each week in the rhythm of our everyday lives to help us become more self-aware and reflect not only on what it is that we do, but why we do it. Are we looking to get recognition from others? Are we looking to feel better about ourselves? Or are we seeking to bring glory to God through our words, through our thoughts, through our actions? And let me be the first to say, I know this is not an easy thing. It's extremely natural to have mixed motives that um, behind, behind our giving and behind the other things we do. And I fully believe, I fully believe that God understands that. You know, many of us, myself included, have, have strong and deep longings to be recognized by others and appreciated by others. And I think this is one of so many areas in our life where we can keep practicing, right? And over time, God shapes us to be more and more others-centered, 
and less and less self-centered, where, where more and more of our energy goes to bringing God glory rather than trying to bring glory to ourselves. You know, Jesus talked a lot about this. Um, this is the heart behind Matthew 2016, where Jesus ends a parable by concluding, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Or Matthew 16, 25, where Jesus says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see Jesus making comments like this all throughout his ministry. If we hold too tightly to our own plans and our own desires for our own earthly recognition and success, we can miss out on the life that God longs for us to have. So if we want to save our life by holding on too tightly, paradoxically, we lose it. But if we can surrender ourselves to live a life that seeks a glory for God, that is when we find the abundant life that God has for us. So he's always, Jesus is returning to that same question, right? Whose glory are we seeking? We only find the abundant life that God has for us when we lay down our pursuit of bringing ourselves glory and dedicate ourselves to a life that brings glory, to a life that brings glory to God. So I want to look at this more specifically in the context of giving, since that's the pillar of Lent that we're focused on today. You know, it'd be easy to look at Matthew 6, that, that first passage we read in isolation, and conclude that, well, Jesus says we should give, do our giving in secret so that the way we should give is to anonymously drop money into a box that goes to a good cause. To be clear, that's certainly one great way to give. You can do it today. Um, we have an offering box in, in the back, and you can give to support what God is doing in the mission of our church. But it's also important to look at the broader message of the teachings of Jesus and, and Scripture in order to get as full of a view as possible about how we should give. And as we do that, we see there are a wide variety of ways to give. But we continue to see that in any type of giving that we engage in, the heart behind the gift that God is looking for is, is one that it seeks to bring him glory, okay? Rather than us seeking praise from others or us wanting to feel better about ourselves. Again, whose glory are we seeking? So another of the powerful teachings that Jesus gives about giving can be found in Matthew 25. Um, um, Jesus is talking about his future return where the nations will be gathered before him, and he says this, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, 
whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I love this passage because I think it illustrates several powerful truths about the type of giving that seeks to bring God glory. Right away, we notice that this is a very, situa- very different situation than what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6, where he was talking about secret or anonymous giving. What we see here is first, next slide, that giving is often also highly relational in nature. So in these examples, right, you, d- you don't get the sense that this is just a mere transaction uh, of resources or money between people. In fact, as Jesus goes through those examples, they, they build in the level of, of closeness between individuals. First, he talks about giving someone something to eat or drink, building up to inviting someone in to your home, to your life, all the way to clothing someone, caring for someone when they're sick, or visiting them in prison, which is likely one of the most vulnerable times in someone's life. So this is the type of giving that is highly personal in nature, right? And it stretches us in ways that are very different than how writing a check, for instance, might, might stretch us. Which brings us to Nat's principle, that giving comes in various forms, including gifts of time, emotion, presence, or resources. You know, there are, there are seasons in our life where we can give more in one way than another. And that, I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, in some seasons, we may have more disposable financial resources to give. Um, while in others, we may have more time. Um, sometimes we might be in a situation where we're in exactly the right time and place and situation to sit with someone in, in the midst of, of crisis or, or challenge. Well, in other situations, um, uh, we may be more suited to be a secondary help to someone. So by bringing a meal or, or taking care of logistics for someone, like running errands or, or helping clean the house or finish a project, all of these are incredibly meaningful gifts. In a similar vein, next, we, we all find ourselves in need. Um, <laughs> I think society tends to lump people into categories. And one of the common categorizations is splitting people, um, even if it's an unspoken thing, splitting people into two categories of one, these are the people that are in need, and two, these are the people that are able to assist the people that are in need. But Jesus is saying here in a very powerful way, that that's a completely false dichotomy. That's not how things work in the kingdom of God. You know, I, as I look at my own life, I can, think of pl- I can think of times when I've been in a position to help someone in need. But I've also been certainly sick to the point where I couldn't take care of myself. Um, I've definitely felt like a stranger It may seem like a somewhat trivial example, but whether it was middle school or high school or college, I remember all too well the experience of going through a cafeteria, Um, a cafeteria line with a tray of food, right? And you're getting your food, and as you're going through this line, your heart starts to beat 
faster and faster because I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to sit with once I have my food. I don't know where I'm going to go. And so then I check out and I just stare out at a sea of people seated at all of these tables. And I'll tell you those times when someone noticed me wandering around with, with my tray of food and invited me to sit with them, that that means more than likely that they'll, they'll ever know. You know, my hunch is that many, if not all of us, know the feeling of, of intense loneliness, um, which ironically, right, often seems to occur when we're surrounded by a sea of people. Um, so as you're thinking about giving, it's a one, this is one powerful way to give. Remember that inviting someone into your life, into to your table, wherever that table may be, can be an amazingly powerful gift. And finally, giving can draw us closer to the heart of Jesus. As we look at Matthew 25, right, it's, it's clear that the givers here in the, uh, uh, that Jesus describes, they are not doing this for their own credit or for their own glory. After all, right, they're surprised when, when they're acknowledged for what they did. And they even questioned Jesus, saying, when, what are you talking about, Jesus? When, when did we feed you? Or when did we invite you in? Or when did, when did we visit you? And Jesus tells them that this type of selfless giving of themselves on behalf of others, it's a gift to Jesus himself. And again, since these are relationship-based acts of giving, when we do that, they form in us a deeper connection and a deeper relationship with Jesus himself. You know, some of you may, some of you may know that um, my dad and I, um, uh, we, weren't, we weren't in relationship for, for several years in, in, the later stage, uh, in the later stages of his life. Um, he had spiraled pretty deeply in, into drug addiction. Um, and, and I largely blamed him for the addiction struggles that my sister was experiencing because I felt like he had enabled her addiction. But when I learned that his liver cancer had progressed um, and that he was enduring severe pain, God, God in his mercy um, began to really soften my heart um, and chip away at the anger and at the resentment that I had been harboring. You know, I, I, went, I went out to New Mexico um, to visit him when he was hospitalized, and, and I helped him move into an assisted living facility. And for the rest of my life, I'll treasure that time with him. As, as forgiveness flowed freely, and, and God continued to change my heart toward him, he was able to spend quality time with, with our kids and, and get to know them. And he even accepted my offer to, to pray and to commit his heart and his life to Jesus. Yeah. I, on, I can't fully explain it, but, the, but this passage in Matthew 25 became so much more real to me through that experience because as I was caring for my sick father, God, God was drawing me near to the heart of Jesus. And that, drawing near to Jesus, is what Lent is all about. And that's why we're emphasizing the development of spiritual practices, of prayer, of fasting and giving, 
rather than prescribing a set of rules that we should all follow during Lent. In particular, the details of, of how we can give and what we can give and where we can give, that's gonna look different for each and every single one of us. But for everyone, giving is a practice that we can develop that God can use to make us more and more like Jesus. I, I love how author and professor Esau McCauley puts it. He says this, we shouldn't see the season of Lent as a series of rules, but as a gift of the collected wisdom of the church universal. It's one of many tools of discipleship pointing us toward a closer walk with Jesus. Um, in, in a little bit, we're gonna take communion, and I think it's particularly appropriate to reflect on Jesus this morning as we consider what giving really means. You know, as we, seen, as we saw from the passage that we started with this morning, we can do good deeds with less than pure motives and intentions, perhaps in an attempt to earn recognition from others or to feel better about ourselves. But it, it's only through a connection with Jesus that we can give with a pure heart a pure heart that's motivated by a desire to bring glory to God. And I, and I want to make this abundantly clear. This, this is not something that, where we can roll out of bed in the morning and, and will ourselves to, to give with a pure heart by, by trying harder and harder and giving ourselves more pep talks. Like, that, that's not going to work. We cannot do this in our own ability, in our own strength. That giving with a pure heart that seeks to bring glory to God, that can only flow out of a relationship with Jesus. It's only because of the forgiveness that Jesus provides and the heart transformation that occurs when Jesus leads our lives that we can give with a heart that's aligned with the heart of Jesus. In Ezekiel, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. What a beautiful image of God giving us a new heart, the type of pure heart that can give of ourselves in all the different ways we talked about giving, that can give of ourselves in order to bring glory to God. See, this is the gift. This is the gift that Jesus offers us. So when we take communion this morning in a little bit, let's thank Jesus for that gift. And if you haven't made the decision to, to ask Jesus to forgive you and to lead your life, you can do that today, right here, right now. We're gonna have ministry team members available to pray with people after we take communion. We would love to have the honor of praying with you. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that, that giving is one of those habits and disciplines that, that we develop with practice as we continue to seek God's heart. So the challenge I want to give all of us this morning is to prayerfully ask God to place on our hearts and our minds an opportunity to give this week. It might be, it might be a gift of money or resources. It might be a gift of time or hospitality. It might be a gift of support or care. The main point is that we're asking God to help us to look more fully outside of ourselves 
and see how he may be leading us to impact other people. And remember, when we give to others, when we care for others with God's heart, the heart that seeks to give God glory, we're giving directly to Jesus and we're caring for Jesus. John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, says this, and I, I just love the idea of this. Be aware, Jesus is in disguise among us, right? In the, in the eyes and the hearts of people that you come across, Jesus is in disguise among us. He's looking for people who are willing to reach out to him. Do you see him? Are you helping? And let's take it one step further as well. Let's also pray for the strength to avoid announcing our giving with trumpets. I'll tell you, this is a, this, like I said at the beginning, this is a hard thing for me. I find it all too easy to linger at that dishwasher and uh, take all the time in the world to put that last fork in so that, so that my family will notice my noble contribution. Or... I don't know if you'll resonate with this, or naturally mention some good deed I've done in a conversation. You know, maybe, maybe a friend would comment to me on a, on a sunny Wednesday afternoon, how, how lovely the weather is. And, uh, and I'll say something like, yeah, I was really thankful um, when I was handing out groceries at the grocery giveaway that, that it wasn't raining. It seems harmless enough on the surface, but, but that's my version of announcing it with trumpets. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing you have your version Amen. as well. And once again, once again, I know that God understands our, our natural desires to bring recognition to ourselves. And his grace abounds as, as his Holy Spirit continues to form us, continues to shape us. But I also know that God has something greater for us when we're willing to allow him to form our hearts into his and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in the rhythms of life that seek to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. So at this point, I'd like to invite our worship team and our communion servers to come up. I'm here at the vineyard. We practice what is called an open table which means that all are invited to participate in communion. Jesus instituted this practice at the Last Supper, and we read in Matthew 26 that Jesus said, um, um, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as you take communion this morning, I encourage you to reflect on the incredible, incredible gift that God has given us. His only son who offers forgiveness and abundant life as we trust in him. And it's through that gift of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live generous, outward-focused lives that give of our time, our resources, our presence regularly and bring glory to God through our words and our actions. So I invite you to come now, receive the elements, 
One of our traditions here at Gate City Vineyard is that go ahead and eat the bread whenever you'd like, but we encourage you to wait and hold on to the cup so that we can drink the juice all together when all have received it. Because doing so reminds us that we're, we're all on this journey together. We don't have to walk this journey alone and that together, this Holy Spirit reflects God in each of us. And, uh, and together, we can reflect the love, the grace, and the generosity of Jesus, our Savior. So why don't you come?